Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we continue in our series on the life of Elijah on Father's Day weekend. And a lot of you weren't here earlier. We kicked off our service praying for dads, praying for men, and we're just so honored. But I wanted to do something for everybody. I mean, this is something, it's a gift, especially, though, for dads today. And this is my gift to you. I'm gonna let you out early. All right, that's my gift to you today. There's nothing a man wants more than to get out early. Can I get an amen? Amen, all right, thank you very much. You're thinking it, you might as well go ahead and enjoy it, all right? So I'm gonna let you out a little bit earlier. But for the next few minutes, I want you to, I want you to, to, to settle in because what we're gonna talk about today isn't an if, it's a when. It's not a it might, it's gonna. First Kings Chapter 17, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn over there. It's over in the Old Testament. If you got your note sheet on the way in today, uh, it's a blank sheet, but down at the bottom, it's got a QR code. You can snap that QR code. It'll take you to our notes, or you can go to North Star Church, Georgia, in the App Store, and it'll give you the notes to follow along. Elijah is doing everything Elijah was supposed to do. I love the story. So, He's a Tishbite, he's a no-name guy from a no-name town. God says, hey, I want you to go to the king and I want you to tell him he's living wickedly and I want you to tell him that, that we shouldn't be worshiping all these other gods and there's neither gonna be dew nor rain because this God that they're serving says there should and there's not, so Elijah does it. Well, then Elijah becomes the most wanted man in all of Israel, Elijah's on the run, and God says, okay, I got something. I'm gonna take care of you. I want you to go to the brook, all right, the Cherith Brook, and Elijah went to the Cherith Brook, and the ravens are gonna feed him, and they're gonna sustain you, and there's water there. But when he went to the brook, little, little, little pop quiz here, when he went to the brook, the brook did what? It dried up. Elijah, right where he was supposed to be, the brook dried up. God says, okay, plan B. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna take you and you're gonna leave the brook and you're gonna go to Zarephath. So you're gonna go from a place of testing to basically a place of, it's basically a crucible is what Zarephath means. And you're gonna meet a widow and she's gonna help feed you, nourish you, hide you. So I want you to go. And when he gets there, the widow tells him, I am preparing the last meal for my son and I. But Elijah, you're supposed to tell her you need something to eat, you need something to drink, and you need it first. And Elijah did it, and God provided. Amazing. Here's the problem. Problem is, sometimes when we're at the peak, the blind side hits the hardest. Sometimes when we're in the middle, I mean, we are, Elijah, listen, he has done everything God asked him to do. The widow has done everything the Lord asked her to do. And out of nowhere, blindside happens. And that's, what, that's why it's called a blindside. You didn't, you didn't see it coming. I'm telling you, you aren't gonna see it coming, but you need to know it's coming. How many of y'all have lived through a blindside? Like something happened and it rocked your world and you live to tell about it. Raise your hand, all right? They're crazy. There's a reason in football they get flags, right? You get a flag out, Brandon Wood sit down in the front row. He's a, he's a college ref, all right? They throw a flag 
when you get blindsided. If you lead with your helmet, you get blindsided. You get a flag for blindsides. There are no flags in life. You gotta live through these blindsides and you gotta get up, you gotta dust it off, and you gotta get back in the game. How do you do it? That's what we're gonna talk about today. First Kings chapter 17, would you stand with me in honor of reading God's word together? First Kings 17, verse 15. I'm gonna read fast because I made a promise to let you out. So let's dive in, here we go. First Kings 17, verse 15. So she, the widow, did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for how long? What's it say? Many days. She was down to her last meal. She was down to her last meal, but God provided. There was always, and to me, this is the operative word here, there was always how much flour? What's the next word? Enough. Isn't it funny? He never gives you too much, but he never gives you too little. He always gives you enough. It's the story of the morning. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Yes or no question. Have Elijah and the widow done exactly what God asked? Yes or no? Verse 17. Sometime later. Three days, three weeks, three months, three years. We don't know. Sometime later. The woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. And she said to Elijah, O oh man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, Give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, he carried him up the steps to the room where he was staying. He laid the body on his bed. Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow and who has opened, who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times, cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. Then the Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he revived, literally is a resurrection that happened in the Old Testament. It's the only recording of one we have outside Lazarus in the New Testament and Jesus. Lazarus, Jesus, Jesus kept living after these guys ended up dying, but there is a resurrection. Verse 23, then Elijah brought him down from the upper room, gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. And the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. Would you pray with me? Father, you've got our attention. You left us this story. Not to know the contents, but to learn the lessons. Father, we're all in the story. Father, I pray when we walk out these doors in a few short minutes, God, I pray we're better for having been here today. Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, find two people around you and say, blindsides are coming. Would you do that real quick? So let them know, blindsides are coming. <laughs> Have you ever... Have you ever made the statement, 
I never dreamed this would happen to my family. Have you ever said the statement, man, you see something happen in somebody else's life, it's like, man, that stinks. Then it happens to you, and you're like, I never dreamed it would happen to me. That's a blind side. They come in our health. They come in our children's lives. They come sometimes in our jobs. They come in the stock market. They come, they're blindsides. We know they happen. It's not like we don't know they happen. We just don't know they happen to us. It's the doctor's visit that you thought was just a routine checkup. It's the call that you know some parents get. You just never dreamed you would get. See, for some of you, Father's Day is a tough one this year because you're without a dad. I texted some friends this morning that lost their dads this past year. Not a happy Father's Day. You're sad, right? Or you lost your husband. It's a blind side. You just didn't see it coming. The question isn't, is it gonna happen? The question is when it's gonna happen. And really the question is when it does happen and it comes out of nowhere, what do I do with it? How do I get through it? Elijah and the widow for some time Life's been going pretty good. They've had enough to eat. They've had enough to get by. And boom, it happens. I want you to write this little thought down and we're gonna dive in our notes. Ready? Blindsides always show up as surprises. They always show up as surprises. They're surprises because they're not on our calendar. They're surprises because they're not in our timetable. They're surprises because they're not in the script of how we pray for our lives to go. So before we even dive in, does God know blindsides in our lives are gonna happen, yes or no? Yes. Does God use them, yes or no? So we know he knows, and we know he uses them, but then how do we get through them? Three things, pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara. You got something to write with this morning. I want you to write down a couple thoughts or you're thumbing it in your phone. When life blindsides me, resist guilt. When life blindsides me, resist guilt. So what is guilt? Let's, let's, let's camp there and then we'll dive in back in the passage. What is guilt? Guilt is when I feel like I caused it. That's guilt. I blame, maybe the easier way to remember it, I blame me. I own the blame for it. I blame me. I, I point in and go, it's my fault. So back during this time, anytime sin would happen or a person, even in Jesus' time that had leprosy, they would always say, who in your family sinned? So they assumed somebody had to be blamed for the leprosy or somebody had to be blamed for the tragedy. Some, something had to be blamed. I remember I, on a college baseball team I was on, I played up at Liberty. And so it was one of the years we were up there. We weren't real good. My, one of my old teammates was in the last service and we were laughing about it. But, but I remember a gathering after about a five-game losing streak and our, one of our assistant coaches says, boys, there must be some sin in the camp for all these losses. There must be some sin going on. One of my teammates went, there must be a lot of sin going on. All right, we're really bad, all right? So, but that, that's the whole, we gotta blame something, right? Resist guilt. Let, listen to what the lady said. The lady 
looks and says, have you come here to point out my sins? I want you to write a little thought down in number one. We've all got sins and we've all got stuff. Could we be blamed? Sure. But it doesn't mean we should be blamed. Here's the problem with guilt. There is no solve for guilt. Guilt is the I would'ves, I wish, if I could go back. The problem with guilt is it's like a, it's like a, a circle and you're just chasing your tail. You don't resolve anything. You don't fix anything. You just feel bad all the time. So this lady looking at Elijah says, you've come here to point out my sins. I must have done something wrong or my son wouldn't have died. And remember, she's a widow, which means she's lost her husband too. It's an interesting part of the story. This lady's like, I've lost everything. You've come here to point out my sins. Resist guilt. And I want you to write this little thought down. Resist guilt because you can't fix it. Would you write that down? Resist guilt because you can't fix it. You can't. I remember going to a counselor a number of years ago for something that I was working through just personally in my life and sitting down and, and he goes, Mike, you act like you did it. You act like you caused it. You didn't cause that. That you, you can't own something you can't fix. Does that make sense to everybody? She can't fix this. Resist guilt. And listen, we will all go to the guilt room and some of us will lock the door and stay there. All right? Listen, and we say this all the time to people. It's okay to visit there. Just don't stay there. You're gonna visit. I'm gonna visit there. You can't stay there. Don't bring a cooler and pitch a tent. You ain't meant to stay there. Resist guilt. Principle number two. Not only do we get blindsided and feel guilt, we get blindsided, then we need to resist blame. Blame. <laughs> so this lady didn't stay in the guilt room long. She turned her heat and her attention towards Elijah. And, he, and she looks at him basically and says, it's your fault. I blame you. Now, know what blame is. And we've said this many times through the years at North Star. As Rick Warren says, blame, and I want you to write this down, is being lame. All right, that's what blame is, right? It's being lame. It's, it's just pointing it outward. Of going, I, well, I know then I didn't cause it. Elijah, you must have caused it. Life was good before you showed up, but it really wasn't good before he showed up. But it just, everything seems better when things are bad. And when things are bad, we just start scattering bullets, don't we? Have you ever walked up on somebody and somebody just lit into you for no reason? And you're like, what? Did you? you didn't do anything. They're, they're mad at somebody else and you're catching the heat for it. Elijah is in direct line of the bullet and she begins to spray the bullets at 
Elijah, and she begins to come after him, and she blames him. Why, why is blaming so dangerous? Blaming is dangerous. Listen, because when we blame, I want you to write this little thought down. When we blame, we don't grow. When we blame, we don't grow. Alan Redpath, the great writer and pastor, said before something ever gets to, gets to your life, it's gone through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if it gets to you, it must have great purpose. Doesn't mean it's good, though. Doesn't mean it's great. Doesn't mean it's nice. Doesn't mean it's easy. But it has great purpose. Yes or no question, does God waste any experiences in our lives? No. Don't blame. I, I read something this week, it was really interesting, and they said one of the reasons we like to blame is it's easy. We just, we pass it off. How many of y'all grew up with brothers or sisters? Raise your hand. How many of you blame them for something they probably didn't do? Raise your hand. Oh yeah. Listen, here was the thing though. I had a brother and sister. I blamed them for everything and my mom punished all of us, all right? And so it didn't work out real well. But I was always blaming it. Not me, it was them. Blame is easy. You don't have to be vulnerable. And this was really interesting. This author said, when you blame, it's your way of still controlling something. It was interesting. And it protects your ego. Poor Elijah. I mean, the joker's just trying to, he's just trying to do what's right. And now he's catching bullets. And he's just being faithful. Here's a dangerous spot for all of us. Widow Elijah. I'm gonna ask you a series of yes or no questions. Answer out loud or go with your neighbor. All right, so let's, let me give you a couple options. Elijah, widow, are they being faithful to the Lord? Is the Lord taking care of them? Have they experienced a miracle? Do you think they assume that they're probably out of trouble? Never equate your faithfulness to blindsides happening or not happening. One of the biggest dangers we hit in life is when we go, I am doing all the right things. Therefore, God, if you're good, you're gonna do all the right things. That's a dangerous place. And we all do it. Now, when we're not living for the Lord, we assume bad, something bad's gonna happen. But when we're doing right for the Lord, God, I'm doing all the right things. Surely to goodness, you can make this thing work. It's interesting. All of us know, now this is a big New Testament test here, all right, so we're gonna throw it out there and see how we do. We are all saved by what word? Not our works. But yet, we want to be guarded by our works from blindsides. 
whether you walk with Jesus or you don't walk with Jesus. So this is an interesting part of my job. In a week's time, I spend as much time talking to people who aren't in church as I do people that are in church every week. Here's what I know. There's some messages that are only for people who go to church. And then there's other messages for people who don't go to church. Can I tell you what? This one's for everybody. Because blind sides are coming whether you walk with Jesus or not. Don't think your faithfulness will guard you from blind sides, but your faithfulness will get you through them. Does that make sense to everybody? Principle number three. When blind sides happen, what do you do? Carry it to the Lord. It's a powerful principle. So let's call time out the story real quick. Elijah must have been a good dude. This lady's son gets sick and he dies and she turns full forces on him and she blames him. Elijah never uttered a word to this lady. I would have started defending myself the minute she started. I'd have gone, hey, wait a minute. You were down to your last meal a month ago with your son. I really wouldn't have said it, but I would have thought it. All right, and so, but she, she went off. Elijah never says a word. You know what Elijah does? Elijah's a prophet. God chose Elijah because he had backbone and he had grit and he was willing to say it. But Elijah wasn't a pastor. A prophet is a speaker of truth. They're the ones that are just come and say, tell you how it is. He wasn't trained to be a pastor. He was just a guy living in a little town that God calls out. And now he's faced with something. He doesn't know what to do. He has no idea what to do. Elijah did not go to a class that says, now listen, when you're in the middle of the famine, I'm gonna provide. But when, when I don't provide anymore and the lady's son that I'm providing for dies, here's a list of five things you do. He didn't get that memo. But you know what Elijah did? He did the only thing he needed to do. He scooped up the little boy he carried him up the stairs. He laid him in the room on the bed that he had prayed a lot of prayers in before. Everybody look at me. When you don't know what to do, carry it to Jesus and let it go. A miracle happened, not because Elijah looked at the boy and Elijah had some supernatural powers. <laughs> Elijah truly went, I don't know what else to do but give the kid over to the Lord. And God brought this child back to the life. But the principle of the story is when you get knocked down, which you will, when you get blindsided, which you will, carry it to the Lord because he's the only one that's got it. He's the only one. Everybody look at me. You will never be spiritually mature enough to figure it out. I've had people go, Mike, I'm gonna come back to church after my blindside happened. I'm gonna come back to church when God tells me why that happened. It's nice knowing you, all right? <laughs> because I may never see you again. You may not ever figure it out. I've sat, I've walked into homes in the middle of a blindside and had people yell at me. 
and go, Mike, why would God allow this? And I have no answer other than a hug and to say, I promise you'll make it. What do we do when we're blindsided? We carry them to Jesus. How many times had Elijah been in that room praying for God to do something? I guarantee you, Elijah's brain's like, what do I do? Well, I gotta get away from the lady. So I'm gonna grab her kid, right? And I'm gonna go upstairs to safer there. And I'm gonna lay this boy. You might get to heaven and ask Elijah, why didn't you do it downstairs? Well, she was downstairs, all right? And so he goes upstairs and he lays the boy down and he reaches out and prays. There's nothing miraculous about what he did. The miraculous part was he knew what to do. And we find Elijah in this moment doing exactly the right thing. In about a week or two, you're gonna find Elijah just as a total wreck. But right now, he's doing all the right things. Men, greatest gift you'll ever give your family is laying them before the Lord. They aren't yours. How many dads in the room? Raise your hand. <clears throat> Those children aren't yours. Give them to the Lord. We love to keep them on their best days. We're all ready to get rid of them on their worst days, right? But on every day, give them to the Lord. So in the past 12 months, I've gotten to be at an altar to do the giving away of my daughter. And let me get these in order because Mary Michael will watch and hold me accountable. All right, and so my daughter and my son. But the reality is, Anna and I have tried for 28 and 25 years to remind ourselves they're not ours. Carry them to the Lord. Men, you're never stronger than when you're on your knees. We're asked to provide answers in life we don't know. Carry them to the Lord. Mike, that sounds too simple. Yeah, it does. That's why I like it. Because I can do that. I remember years ago, so one of the strongest men I've ever known was my youth pastor, Hugh. Hugh was an All-American college football player at La Tech. Hugh was, when I knew him, in the 40 and over age division, he was the strongest man in America, drug-free, strongest man in America. This guy was a hulk, huge. So he and I and Steve Roach on our staff, we went to seminary together. He went back years later. And I remember it was just like a Tuesday in New Orleans where we were in class getting our masters and Roach and I had gone out to lunch. We come back to the room and I'll never forget this picture. I'll never forget the picture of this man. I mean, Hugh Kirby was a man on his knees in our little dorm room with his arms stretched out over that bed. He never looked stronger than when he, whatever he was laying down that day, he was leaving. For some of us, we've been blindsided. What do we do? We give it to Jesus. Would you pray with me? some people this morning this is fresh God they visited guilt 
visited blame. But God, I pray they will lay it down at your feet. This blind side must have some great purpose to have gotten through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to get to us. God, I know you'll use it. It's just staying on my feet till you do. God, I pray strength over them. God, I pray courage over them. And God, I pray that today, this lesson may not be for today, but I will pull it out of my pocket when I face that blind side. So God, I pray over our room today. God, I don't know how you do it without a faith in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, man, come see somebody as soon as this service is over and tell us. God, if you know him, if you do know Jesus in this room, watching online today, go to him every chance you get because he is the strength you can't do on your own. God, we give you us. We thank you for our time. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray.